the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the Week 7 College Football Betting Recap and Week 8 Look Ahead. I'm Stucky and joining me, as always, is my co-host Colin Wilson. Colin, both of our teams are done. We're on to, we're on to basketball season. <laughs> I, I was uh, waiting for the it's it's a, I'm a basketball school. I almost I almost just skipped forward went to I'm a baseball school, but hey, you know what, Stuck? I, our teams are out of it. We're waiting for uh midnight practices to start here in a little bit. But before I dive into that, if you need one statement to summarize everything that happened in week seven, here it is. Dan Lanning walked into the saloon and threw his balls on the bar. I mean, I this do you think this coaching is going to catch on? This is crazy going for it from everywhere. I loved it uh, personally, like even going for it late in, in the first half. Like that was his. If you have a plan, and you knew it was going to be a higher scoring game. I'm all for that. The, I don't. I hate when they roll out someone though, um, and just cut like three quarters of the field off. Right at the goal line, it feels like that those plays always end up in a crapshoot, and you're just throwing it up. So, I think the play calling could have been a little better, but you know they should have won that game. Uh, they went zero and three, zero for three on fourth down, and they couldn't get a fourth, fourth and two late that would have clinched the game. But I think that you'd rather put it in your offense's hands than I mean, look, if you punt it there, Washington can go up and down the field easily. So like, hey, put it in Nix's hands, or put it in our offense's hands, and they didn't do it. But I, I, I like the aggression. Did you? Oh, I loved it. I mean, I'm absolutely a fan. Like when Lane Kiffin was going for more fourth downs than anybody, I wanted to congratulate him, pat him on the back. We said the handicap on the game was that Oregon was going to be able to control the line of scrimmage, run the ball, and keep the ball away from Michael Penix Jr. When you gave the ball back to Michael Penix, and people are going to freak out, but he scored scored in two plays. And so the thing is, everyone freaked out like, oh, Dan Lanning, what are you doing? Oh, this is a mistake. I don't think it's a mistake. Does it matter? that it happened at the 40-yard line, the 50-yard line, or the 30-yard line. It, did, it took Michael Penix two plays to score a touchdown. The goal is to keep the ball out of Michael Penix's hand. Who gives a shit about field position when you're the number one and number two quality drive offense in the nation? I mean, those yards mean nothing. Possession means everything. Yeah, the I, I completely agree. It was it was unfortunate they didn't get it, but yeah, you ice the game out, then everyone calls him a genius in football. Just like betting, it's like it's all probability, right? Like you, you have a bet, and you're like, I think it's gonna win. You know, fifty eight percent of the time, I show value in it, so I'm gonna bet it. But forty two percent of the time, you're gonna lose. But that's okay. You had a you had a uh, positive expected value. I think in that case, going for it there, I think that they get that normally over fifty percent of the time, um, and then I think it's worth it uh, compared to what they would do. 
the, the amount of times they would get a stop against Washington. And Washington did no problems against anyone between the 20s. But overall, that was a great game. Lived up to the expectations. I think that it ended – ending on three was fitting because I, I think, you know, if you were able to get a two-and-a-half with the favorite or a three-and-a-half with the dog – I think you deserve to cover. If you get three, you probably deserve to push. Those were two evenly matched teams. I don't think Oregon's out of the conversation yet. They shouldn't be. But Washington is certainly in the driver's seat for the Pac-12 for a college football playoff appearance. Michael Penix is now the heavy, heavy Heisman favorite because what happened to all the other Heisman favorites on Saturday? They bowed out. Bowers bowed out by accident. He got hurt. Um, we'll have to keep an eye on some of the Georgia injuries after the Bulldogs came out sleepy once again at Vandy, but they, they suffered some key injuries there potentially. Caleb Williams. Good night. You're done. <laughs> USC's done. Uh, they got embarrassed by Notre Dame 48 to 20. Yeah. Besides, besides the state of Colorado and Oregon, Washington, pretty disappointing. And Dana, the Dana game. That was amazing. But did pretty you, disappointing weekend from a drama standpoint. Did you get in on any of that Colorado State uh, uh, to win the Mountain West preseason? Because last night I'm watching, I'm losing my boys. I don't know what happened last night. Like I took Miami on the show. I took Miami and um, UCLA late. Lost those games. Seven turnovers combined between them. Then I turn on my bet against Boise. Another three turnovers. I mean, I've, I've never seen so many turnovers go against me in the night slate, but did you get anything in on Colorado State preseason or even win total because that was a monster win against Boise? No, but I had Colorado State. I bet Colorado State. Um, so, yeah, I went – my spots went 5-5. Five and five. Uh, Totals I went 1-1 one one on. Washington under hurt just because you get that fourth down. They got every two-point conversion. It goes over by a point, but um, I don't think it was like some slam dunk side. So I basically pushed money around and then lost, lost my round robin. Um, so just a, a wash of the day for me. I should have got South Carolina, but I shouldn't have got Colorado State. So I, th- I thought it was a fair day overall. Uh, the Colorado State game was wild. They were down 30-10 to 10 with four to go. And they won. It was the highest ESPN win probability overcame in the history of their model. Like when they show the, the win – they flashed the win probability. It was 99.99%. And Colorado State even had a – they should have had another onside kick return recovered that they overturned. And they still ended up winning. Uh, Andy Avalos, it might be it for him. We'll see. They're, Boise's on a bye, so if you're going to do something, they might do it now. Um, from what I've heard, let's shout out to BJ Reigns, Mike Sanford. It look, I, I don't think that he's going to be fired, but I don't know. Dirk um, Cotter did the color on the game last night. Yep, Dirk Cotter's doing the game. There were 17 people there. There was no one left in the stadium. They all left because Colorado State's dreadful, and they were down they were down 20. So you see at the very end, when they score, they, they rushed the field. There was like 17, 17 uh, guys that rushed the field. It was the saddest for rushing the field I've ever seen. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, Boise's a mess. They just stopped using Taylor Green completely um, until like the very end. I will say though, I'd be very worried if, worried if I was a Boise fan. The recruiting's gone down. Avalos has been a mess. Ashton Genty, who who by the way might be the best running back in the country, he is. Uh, he might be gone. 
He might be in the portal. Uh, I'm sure he's getting some messages right now. But if you haven't watched Ashton Genty, the guy goes is amazing. He's he is an absolute electric factory. But he might not be there. Taylor Green also might be gone somewhere else too. Yep. So I'd be very worried what's going and on. This this hire of Bush Hamden has gone exactly as planned when I took under nine. I just didn't know it'd be this bad. Yeah, it is not good. Um, all right, before we get into to voicemails, let's do a quick best call, worst call, bet regret. Uh, I'll say best call was probably Georgia State. Explosive runs, explosive plays. Worst call was Georgia Southern. JMU's a juggernaut. I got to give them credit. They finally came out and just demolished. The Georgia Southern defense couldn't do anything, and JMU completely stepped up. Credit to the Dukes. Bet regret was TCU. I should have played the spot. I wanted to fade this BYU team. I just didn't trust the quarterback. Big, big mistake there. How about you? Best call, worst call, bet regret? Well, bet regret's probably going to be Pitt. Uh, I think both, I know you and you and Brett had that. And I just, for two weeks in a row, even with Louisville and Notre Dame the week before, I ignored the spot, uh, played on my numbers, and and it I didn't, which mean, meant a no play, which I heavily regret. I've got to get integrated more spots because as we get in November, it means everything, especially on these weeknight games. Uh, worst bet, I, I'm just going to go with Alabama. I mean, it looked like they were going to be in control most of the game, just explosive passes, Jalen Milrow, and then they fell asleep. And you know what? They doubled up uh, Arkansas on yards. I mean, from a box score perspective, weren't they up twenty one three? Yeah, from a box score perspective, it shouldn't have even been close. KJ Jefferson puts two drives together, almost all through the air. They didn't get much out of uh, Dominion. Uh, AJ Green barely ran. Rocket Sanders didn't even make the trip to Tuscaloosa, which is what got me to bet on Alabama in the first place. After I said that Arkansas would cover on the pod, but when you lose your star running back, it turned into a passing fest, which Alabama went to sleep. And Arkansas scored in two straight and made that extremely close. Uh, best call, I mean, Northern Illinois really paid off on the show. Um, you know, I was there with you on Georgia State. Missouri, uh, no sweat against, against Kentucky. Uh, the UCLA-Oregon State over, which I wrote about for action, uh, was good. So, uh, And then the overdog. Overdog Utah minus 11. That even took reverse steam with the rising news. And then, and then Jackson was out. Their running back was out. They were still able – to blow the hell out of Cal. So never bet against Utah at home. Just don't you see that it. they had a defensive back running like 80 yard touchdowns as a running back? They got now they got yeah. the secondary playing running back. It's U- Utah Voodoo at home. Never bet. You you tried it with UCLA. You saw it with UCLA. Yep. Uh just there's too much voodoo in that in Rice Eccles. Yep. Um Yeah, I'll, I'll say another bad call is Purdue. By the way, Purdue embarrassment. I mean, I know they lost some offensive linemen, so they just they were down to like six string guys. <laughs> Stop kicking field goals. What are you doing? Do, do, do you want to know the funniest thing that I saw? Uh, Purdue, who missed three field goals, three chip shot field goals. Um, I think all in the first half. They, they At the even end of the half, they were first and goal at the one. Couldn't score and missed a field goal at the, in the last minute and a half. It was, it was a joke. But the best thing I saw was when they missed their longest one, which was like 37 yards, there was a timeout before there, before then. They had a, a kid come out, a college kid come out for a contest, and he made a 40-yarder mm-hmm. for the contest. And then their kicker missed a 37-yarder right after it came out for the real game and missed the 37-yarder. The college kid made the 40-yarder. The, he's in the college. Sign him. Get him on the fucking team. Um. <laughs> 
Anyway, uh, so that was a terrible call. Credit to Ohio State for showing up there. And I think we have to mention it before we get to the voicemails. I took the under on UMass Penn State. You took UMass. I, it didn't go well for either of us. Yeah. Uh, I knew it was – I mean, once Penn State had two punt returns for touchdowns, I'm worried about Penn State for our futures. Are you really? Have, yeah, because they've gotten – they're like plus 75 million in turnovers now. Yep. Um, they don't throw downfield. There's still no explosiveness. I think they only like two plays of 20-plus yards, uh, two passing plays. But the they're – the turnover regression, I feel like it's going to hit all in one game, in an important game. And they're wasting all these non-offensive touchdowns. Like, who – why – like, I know it doesn't matter. And you're just like – but it's it's just – I've seen this story before. And it's, it's very random. It doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be regression. But I, I, I'm just watching all these Penn State non-offensive touchdowns all year against Cupcake State. And, it, it's like, they don't, they don't matter. I'm like, save some of these. Um, so the defense is so good. I, you must have like one yard. Um, what did you must finish with? It couldn't have been. Gosh. I, at one point they had one yard in the second half. Um, let's see. Yeah. But like you, you would look at that score and you would say, ah, Penn state's offense is back, but they're still not explosive. They had a couple, they had a, they had a bunch of punt return touchdowns. Um, it would have been a good spot to show some, but they didn't. So UMass averaged 0.17 yards per play in passing, 3.25 yards running per play. Um, they actually oh, they got over 100. They got yeah. over 100. Congrats to UMass. I think there was, they put a drive together late. Um, yeah, well-deserved cover for Penn State. Um, but you're, I'm, you're just never going to cover trash when you're giving up multiple non-offensive touchdowns. So... That one was easy for me to swallow. All right, let's get to the voicemails. Bad beats, back doors, and miracle covers. However you're feeling, we want to hear from you. You have reached the voicemail box of the Big Bats on Campus podcast. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Leave a message after the bleep. Stuck, calling. I'm a broken man. Not even noon yet. And I got my bag packed for the Motel 6. What a disaster of a morning slate. I mean, I don't even know what game to turn on because anything I turn on, just a touchdown for the other team or a missed field goal for the team I have. Don't make the same mistake I did. For the rest of the season, just please don't bet on this fat, sleeveless shirt-wearing Charlotte coach. You know, I, 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 I don't know what to say about – Biff Pogi anymore. I mean, I, I cannot find, even when the market is all over him, I still can't find a reason to bet them. They're just way too undisciplined. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't sniff a score against Navy. And again, that was zero, zero at the half. Uh, I try to put on like every game and just check out at least a little bit of it during the day, whether it's like, you know, I just pull it up on my phone or put it. I had no desire to pull that up. So I saw zero plays in that game. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. It's really bad. I'm looking at the box score now and it's just, lifeless everything that is charlotte this is andrew calling in from the cornfields of wisconsin oh james madison they can't stop the pass oh davis brin's gonna torch them oh davis brin has a quick release this kid is horrible i don't know what we're looking at here he's throwing 50 yards horizontally across the field what is he averaging four yards a pass this kid is terrible what a terrible call disgusting Great call on this Georgia Southern game. This quarterback is just outstanding. 
What's up, Seth and Colin? Uh, earliest voicemail I've ever left you. Quick call on James Madison. Correct me if I'm wrong. Feels like we've been against them a few times this year. Sat down today. Hey, they're on ESPN2. Why don't I check out who this team is I'm always betting against? Listen, they're a mix between the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers. They're the best team I've ever seen. So just maybe a new rule for the recreational bunch here. Like, can we just say we're going to give the points with James Madison or we're just going to skip those games going forward? Because I'm tired of betting against them and then checking the app and it's 50 to 6. So let's avoid James Madison, the juggernaut, moving forward. Do you want to? I don't know if you want to talk about Georgia Southern. I mean, they had three turnovers. It really sunk everything that they were doing. Um, you know, I mean, it, you can't do that to a team like James Madison that has the kind of defensive line that they have. And Davis Brin, yeah, two interceptions, 31 of 52, throwing 271 yards. Um, you know, they just too many turnovers, 1.7 points per inside the 40 yard line for every trip in there. Not going to get it done. Zero explosive drives. They were methodical, but it didn't pay off whatsoever. Yeah, James Madison was the right side I talked about earlier. It was my worst call, so there's not much more to say. But let's not act like James Madison is the Chiefs and the Eagles. They beat Virginia by one, Troy by two, Utah State by seven, and South Alabama by a touchdown. Like, let's let's cool our jets on their winning the Super Bowl. But uh, <laughs> they they were they were clearly the they were clearly the right side, and uh, Georgia Southern was was awful. The turnovers. Regardless, uh, so great call for you, Jan. You awful call by us, but moving on. Stuck, Colin. This is like the sixth time this year I think I've backed Georgia, and of course, last week, guess who likes them? But said, nope, I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. And then this week, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to lay it with them. This is the fifth time this year. This team just doesn't cover. They just don't cover. They've made me a lot of money the past couple of years, but they might be in the graveyard for the rest of the year. I don't know if I could do it anymore. I think the big news from the Georgia game, I mean, yeah, they didn't cover 37 to 20 here. And the big news, you know, if, if you might have caught any Carson Beck futures, he goes 29 of 39, one TD. I believe he had a rushing TD too. Uh, Brock Bowers, uh, what is it, a sprained knee? So they're going into a bye week. Don't know if they'll return. But that is, to me, immediately I thought Carson Beck is going to, this passing game is going to turn into shorts to Lad McConkey, Dominic Lovett downfield, Ra Ra Thomas downfield. Does it make them more explosive from throwing deeper for not having Brock, uh, Brock Bowers available over, you know, in the crossers or lined up at, at tight end? I don't know. They could be more explosive in game plans without Brock Bowers. Uh, guess who called? Guess who called that game? Seven nothing. Eight eight minutes to go in the first quarter. That's exactly what it was. Georgia sleepy again. They're gonna get. They're back to sleep. Um, yep. Milton got hurt. They had an offensive lineman hurt. But don't trust Georgia this year as a big favorite in sleepy spots. I'm just telling you. They came out. Dead again. They also they should have been down fourteen nothing. Vandy missed a field goal up seven nothing, and then Georgia on third down dropped their third snap. So you want to you want to talk about a team that's not really sharp? They had three fumbled snaps. The center. This is third down. The center recovers the snap, the fumble, and rumbles for a first down. And then Georgia went on to tie it at seven. So Vandy could have actually built a, a decent sized uh, early lead. Georgia was sleepy. We'll see them wake back up when their next big game, which I don't know, is in 2025. Um, <laughs> as a reminder, the BBOC podcast is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses for new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. 
Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah, moving on. I graduated from Michigan State, and I'm embarrassed. Not only is it an incompetent university, an incompetent athletic program, an incompetent coaching staff, are you kidding me? 24 to 6 to Rutgers in the fourth. You've got to be absolutely kidding me. Notre Dame. I mean, the under is, what wasn't it like 7 to 3 in the second quarter? And I turn to my friend and I say, I'm actually going to be pissed. This is to the point now where I'm going to be pissed if this under does not hit 64 and a half. And then freaking whatever his name is, Mario, wants to fumble. And it's whatever this ghost is, this turnover demon that is now possessing Notre Dame, seriously can off. I mean, I don't know what else to do at this point. Stucky, Colin. I'm watching my Irish beat the brakes off of Caleb Williams. That means I should be happy, right? I mean, I, I should be so excited. And I've been calling for this for weeks that Notre Dame was going to show up against this trash-ass USC team. But no, instead, I'm pissed because I don't have a single dollar on the game. I waited all year to throw whatever money I had on Notre Dame. Don't care what the number is. I'm going to bet him against USC. And here I am without a penny on the game. I'm disgusted with myself. Maybe this is a sign I should quit my job. Having said that, USC, Caleb Williams, go Irish, baby. That Notre Dame game, that was that was the play of the week. I mean, I'm, I mean, besides the five turnovers from Southern Cal, like Notre Dame had to take knees not to put up a 50-burger here. I think the one thing that I was shocked by is that they had zero methodical drives, which is a drive of 10-plus plays. Like, it was either all explosive or they were granted field position or it was turnovers, like USC absolutely self-destructed in that game. You're the call of the week. Reach out for gear. We might name another one, but that is an amazing call because it just captures a feeling that every gambler knows, like especially your team. But even if it's just like a bet that you liked and then you didn't bet it and then you're watching it. But if it's your team, right? And then even if you're around other people and everyone's going crazy and happy and your team's winning, but you are like, I, I love this spot. I got... I talked myself out of it or I saw this other thing and now I'm watching my team roll and I can't really enjoy it as much as I want to because I didn't actually get the bet down or I didn't bet as much as I wanted to. That is that like is a perfect encapsulation of a gambler. Um, so I feel you so hard on that. Like I, there's been times when I've been w- with a bunch of people that are enjoying a game and I just can't enjoy it as much as I want because I'm like, damn, I really should have bet this bigger or I should have bet this and I talked myself out. So that is, uh, but you got to get over that and you got to just move on. Cause that's, that's bias. That's, uh, you know, aversion bias, gamblers, fallacy, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. You, you know, you, it's, it's a funny conversation because I used to be able to watch games with a whole bunch of people and you know, you and I have watched games together out in Vegas, but when you and I watch like a single game, like a bowl game or a national championship together, it's really no big deal. That's the only thing to focus on. But when the Razorbacks are like, it's a regular week of regular season and the Razorbacks are on, I don't want to be around other people. I don't want to talk to anybody. I want me, my clipboard, my pen. I want my Excel sheets and I want to be left the fuck alone. Like, I I don't know what it is. Like whether I got money on it or I'm live betting or I'm live betting my way out or I'm taking notes I'm not saying I'm miserable, but I don't want to be around other people. Like I've got my own process. Like it, it just sucks to hear people cheer 
and you're on the other side or people cheer and you don't have money on it. Like I've become socially isolated from these big groups over the years, especially with Razorback games. I can't, I have a really hard time controlling myself. Yeah, but you go, you go to some of the games. I'm I'm also, I I prefer to watch them. So I'm talking about two things. Like if you go to the game or like, so I'll go to a bar for Kentucky games. Like they're big events for my wife's bar. So I'll I'll go out and then, you know, it's a, a packed bar with all Kentucky fans. And I'm not, I'm not like a born and bred, Kentucky fan, so it's not like a, I have to isolate myself and watch the game. Uh, but like, if I'm like, man, I should have bet Kentucky, um, then I'm like, you know. So if you went to the Arkansas game and you should have, you were like, this is a hammer spot, and then you were like, watch the Pittman presser and talk yeah. yourself out of it, and then you're watching them win. There's a little party that have been like, God damn, I should have <laughs> fired more. That wouldn't let you enjoy it as much as the guy next to you that doesn't bet. Right. Um, that's the, but that's the pure joy that gets sucked out of our lives is better is we get, we get our joy elsewhere. We get our joy on, you know, Colorado state coming back and winning. Um, and there's many other games where we, we get our joy. Like Wyoming um, air force overs. <laughs> yeah. Wyoming air force overs. The San Diego state over got there. Yeah. That, that game was wild at the end. It was just back and forth. And then Hawaii didn't treat its better as well. They went for the field goal to cut it to one possession instead of, the early field, I actually like that. You rarely see teams do that, but it wasn't great if you took the points. Anyway, moving on. ULM plus 650 money line. This Texas State team's a bunch of frauds. Up 11 in the fourth, back-to-back Texas State touchdown drives. I'm like, all right, I'm trying to stay positive. Getting the ball down to 50 seconds. Get over midfield, break a screen. This ref has the guts to throw a fly for OP. I don't know where the like what i mean i can't even enjoy the rest of these games after that i mean you can't expect to hit a plus 650 money line but nothing like having to go to sleep knowing you had something ripped out of your hands gotta go to work tomorrow knowing this texas state team just slithers by again i hate that team this has to be the worst week of college football i've ever had how in the does three teams lose in the last Two minutes on Hail Marys that I've had all week. I had West Virginia, and I'm already counting my cash. We got this stupid-ass Hail Mary. Couldn't even sleep. Then, to top it off, I'm sitting here watching this freaking Hawaii game that I have a parlay with. San Diego State is magically winning. And then I get a message that Boise State has somehow just decided to lose inexplicably. How is this even possible? How can you get beat twice on two Hail Marys to destroy all your parlays? Like, what the f***, man? Hey, enjoy the ULM train, because the week before, I had them in a money line to win as a two-touchdown underdog. They got all the way down to the end of the field and missed a loss on a last-second field goal. So enjoy those ULM games. Stuck, Colin, my guys. I can't believe that I'm still betting and trying to watch UMass football. I won't get that hour and a half back. I'm done with the Minutemen. I'm done with Don Brown. Is there a worse coach in America? I mean, what a clown show that guy is. But the whole point of this phone call is, is I'm done with UMass. I'm done with Marcus Canby. I'm done with whoever else with the UMass. They're dead to me. I just have this sinking feeling that I'm going to be rooting around in a dumpster a few months from now, wondering... Is this the UMass Vintage 2020, 2023, whatever? While my sommelier says, no, this has 
hints of Yukon 2016, whatever. At the end, it's all still garbage juice. Stucky, you haven't had a losing weekend in two years, you say, yet we're taking UMass plus 43. They lost 63 to zero. What kind of is this? Jesus Christ. Just be ashamed of yourself. Uh, pause that. No, but you do know that you do know my hate for Calipari comes from Marcus Camby, uh, you know, and from and from John Calipari back at UMass, nineteen ninety six, like calling out the national champion Razorbacks. Like I, I, that's where all the Calipari hate comes from. The that Calipari was at UMass when uh, John Cheney went after him. Yeah, right? I'll kill yeah. you. I'll kill you. I'll kill yeah, you. I, I mean, just to, for everybody out there that's probably not in their forties. Uh, Arkansas won the national title and John Calipari, who had massive issues with Arkansas already because he wanted Memphis to stop playing Arkansas in their series. Uh, he had Marcus Camby at UMass and we had some sort of preseason tournament and they all called out Arkansas soft, not real national champions like a UMass just went after Arkansas. And you know what? They beat him. So I don't have any I don't have any love for for Marcus Camby and John Calipari. Anyways. Uh, UMass caller. You don't have to be done with UMass. Like, look, here's the thing. I mean, you, you can be if you want, but uh, sometimes those games, you like, I, I, I bet a bunch of trash. Sometimes you're just gonna lose sixty to nothing. You just gotta accept that you write it off. You move on. Um, but yeah, they were awful. They couldn't move the ball, and they gave a couple non-offensive touchdowns. They had no shot. They were overmatched. Um, but that made me chuckle. Your caller of the week too. Reach out for some gear. Moving on. Uh, yeah, let me just recap my Saturday real quick. So I got uh, forced to go to a one-year-old birthday party this morning where instead of football, they had the Logan Paul fight on there. Then I race home just in time to watch Florida convert, I don't know, 54th downs to put up 41 on South Carolina. 41 points. They've put up like 41 the whole year combined and yet 41 points today so that's great i'm ready to go 0 and 10 today and have watched the logan paul fight so there we go you are telling me sucky that south carolina gamecocks could not win a damn ball game against sunbelt billy and graham mertz putting up 37 points you know what? I can take a bad beat if they didn't show up. But the Gamecocks offense put up 37 points. How are we going to lose whatever they Fire Clayton White. Shane Beamer. Clayton White. Life sucks as a Carolina fan. Why does God hate the Gamecocks? I ran into Graham Mertz looking like Joe Montana out there having the best freaking day of his entire career. Can you freaking believe it? The botched freaking extra point at the end of the game for South Carolina makes it a four-point game when Florida goes down and scores. Then we're waiting for Spencer Rattler to go down and make a hero play. What do you know? Throws an interception. Can't freaking believe it. I'm calling about the Gamecocks. How abysmal is that Gamecock defense? I mean, that's the worst performance I've ever watched. Fourth and 11, Graham Mertz is just throwing up, looking like Johnny Football out there. We can't get a stop to save our lives. We can't get up the field. Rattler's playing his ass off. Nothing to show for it. It's unbelievable. I go to this game. I'm having to watch all this sober, going with my grandpa and recovering alcoholic friends for 30 years. I can't even have a beer while I'm watching this show. I don't know what the thinks about this game, Cox. cost me a lot of money. Yeah, the, at the end, uh, South Carolina should have won. It, it, was, it was an awful day. South, Florida converted three fourth downs that all would have ended the game. 
fourth and 12 check down by Graham Mertz went for 13. And then a fourth and 10 late uh, on another drive where I knew they were going to take the lead. They were down 10 with four minutes to go in the game. And they converted all three fourth downs on two touchdown drives. And South Carolina couldn't ice it. So, uh, yeah, I felt good about it until that fourth and 12 check down. I kind of had this, but hey, that's what happens. It's college football. You're going to have beats like that. What are you going to do? Well, if you're Shane Beamer, you can complain about it and talk about how everybody missed their coverage and just throwing your entire team and coaching staff under the bus when you get to the presser instead of just saying, we failed on third and fourth downs. But that, yeah, that wasn't great. Because there's going to be a lot of pressure on whatever coach lost that game and Beamer looked like it got to him. Yep. Jimbo Fisher is a fraud. I hate everyone who bets on Jimbo Fisher because he's a I'm walking out of Dillon Stadium. I hate Jimbo Fisher. He doesn't understand analytics. Stucky, you're on the right side. Texas A&M plus three and a half was a lock until Jimbo Fisher got a hold of this offense. I love you, Stucky. I love you, Colin Wilson. Yeah, Texas A&M, a bad coaching again. Bad calls, but they Tennessee wins on a – they had a punt. They won on all special teams. They had a punt that landed at the one – and then Texas A&M had a punt from their end zone, and they returned the punt for a touchdown. And then they had a pick late. Um, they also got some beneficial calls in that game, I thought. And I had, I had the under in that game, which was a, a snoozer. Um, but that's what you're going to get at home, right? You're going to get some calls. And, oh, by the way, yeah, the Florida, the South Carolina defense was horrendous. And there was a five-minute stretch of the day. You never know when your, your stretch of the day comes, right? I was sweating games from noon until 2 in the morning. And you never know when your stretch is going to come. And it's usually like a, a, a seven-minute stretch where there's going to be six string plays, six swing plays all at once. Do they go your way? And they, they go all your way, and it swings like a you know the four o'clock slate from two and two to four and oh. Does it swing it from two and two to oh and four? And those like make or break your day. My swing was the Florida fourth downs. Within five minutes, they went three and oh to keep the game alive. And then the wash, and then I'm like, all right, let's just get this Oregon under. They can run out the clock, and they don't get the fourth down. So th- th- I was like, ah, oh, so deflating. At least I had a good night. They kind of bounced back to get the even. But um, yeah, the, it's always it's always interesting to see when is your swing, when is your swing of the day, when is that part of the day going to be? I mean, from uh, looking at the advanced box score, I would make this bet again on Texas A&M plus four. They dominated them from a success rate perspective, running plays, passing plays, standard downs. Joe Milton to the eyeball was terrible throwing downfield, and it proves out what I'm reading right here. Uh, We're talking a 36% success rate in passing plays. That's 10% below national average. Yards per play, 3.3 in passing plays for Tennessee. But here's the thing that shocked me. Texas A&M had eight passes over 15 yards. How many did Tennessee have? One. This Tennessee offense connected on one pass over 15 yards tells me everything I need to know. I mean, Tennessee is such fade bait in this Alabama game. I don't want to hear the noise. I don't want to see the market. I don't want to see the line movement. I don't give a shit. Like, you can't complete a pass more than one in this game when Miami had, what, 10? Anyways. Yeah, there's no explosiveness there. Um, By the way, credit to North Carolina. Big win. Miami's, they might be done. Yeah. Like, they also had that f- the fumble going into the end zone that went off a knee. I'm like, this team might just have pissed off the gods. They checked um, out. They checked yeah, out that second half. 
I did. Drake Bay was great, though, so I got to give credit to Carolina in that aspect. And Carolina is definitely worth considering because uh, Nardog, baby, <laughs> got that. Sorry for your 35 to 1 ticket. Um, yeah. But those uh, plumber, all those turnover worthy throw rate, turnover worthy throws he had all year finally came back to bite him. Uh, but North Carolina is still in the discussion along with Florida State. Sorry for your Syracuse ticket that Ravel mushed. I couldn't even get out of it though. That's the problem. That's the problem. I took eighteen. There's some nineteens out there. You don't. I mean, I. I mean that you want to be a bigger clown. Try to cover up a bet with a worse line and then get middled. So I. I just. There's no way I could get out of it. Uh, are we gonna talk about the elephant in the room? I am the Burt Whisperer, baby. The Burt Whisperer. Bielema outright. The last team that hadn't covered a game. They finally and they get the outright win. The Burt spot comes through. Why is he I showing am, up for you and not showing up for me? How come when I bet it, it's a goddamn disaster? He knows. Yeah, he knows. He knows. Colin, I don't want to f- hear it about the metrics about UCLA's quarterback, Dylan Moore. I don't even know if that's his f- first name. But Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's great. He's great. We don't want him to transfer. He throws these pick sixes. But oh, look at the metrics. He's great. F- you. I'm taking plus three and a half. I got a future on them to win the f- Pac-12, and they're still trotting this f- out with that defense. Are you f- kidding me? Three picks in the first half. This guy's awful. Oh, if Chip Kelly doesn't play Dante Brown or f- Dante Moore, he's going to transfer. He's going to go, you know what? Let him go. This guy blows. He's horrible. He sucks. And then he makes a mistake. He's a and he's over there whining about how his receiver couldn't catch a ball that he couldn't even make a good throw on. Like he's a fifth year senior, some glorified hero there. No, you're your ass. Leave. Don't play him. Play this other Schneed, whatever the hell his name is. Play him. Gentlemen, I thought as a Philadelphia Eagles fan, I hated Chip Kelly before. But now betting on UCLA, I hate him even more. Please send me a reminder to never bet against the Oregon State Beavers in Corvallis ever again. That home field advantage is legit. This message is for uh, Mr. Daniel Lanning. You like Vegas? You like to gamble? What the f*** was that? I thought you came from good stock. You're a smart and saving disciple. You trust your defense. You're a f- Defensive coordinator, kick the f- ball and trust your defense. <sighs> Garbage. Hey, this one's for Stucky. I just want to let you know you're a f- dip for betting the f- Oregon Washington under. Dude, is that a cry for help, man? That's the game of the f- year, and you're betting the under. Good riddance, you got f- wrecked today. Holy, f- you're what like six and eleven on the day. What the hell are you doing, man? You also bet on UMass. You're a dumbass, man. Dan Lanning is literally that stupid coach from the Chargers whose name's escaping me right now. They are the same person. It's fitting that Herbert plays for him, too. Just kick the field goals. Just punt the ball. Stop with this analytic on fourth. Just kick the field goal. That's a Kent State quarterback. Put some respect on it. Uh, Colin Schley. I saw you. I saw a tweet from you. Dante, Dante. No, no, no. And I was like, uh, you see, I must have just thrown a pick six. I'm generally watching between 
six to 10 games at the same time. And for, and you know, I'm trying to be active on social media and I knew I just wanted to get ahead of the Dante more hate that was coming in because here's the difference. Like he makes these catastrophic plays like Cade Klubnick at Clemson, where it's just the other team instantly gets six points. I get that, but there's a big difference between him and Kay Klubnick. He Dante Moore will turn around and put the biscuit in the basket, 45 yards downfield in his wide receiver's lap. Um, like uh, he has some of the most beautiful throws. He's really good on his feet. He just makes the worst decisions. I his his turnover worthy plays are only at about eight this year. They're all catastrophic. They're all catastrophic. So I, I don't know what to tell everybody. Like you're going to get the good and you're going to get the bad when he learns to limit the mistakes, which is probably going to be his sophomore year. You know, it's time to roll on UCLA like we did hard with Dorian Thompson Robinson. But right now, it's just, it's a crapshoot what you're going to get out of Dante Moore. Brandon Staley, you bump. Brandon Staley, a.k.a. Dan Manning, you did several times last year. You're doing it again. Why would you not take the points at half? And now it's fourth and three going in on the 40. And you go for it after knowing that you didn't get the first few times you went for it. I'm losing my mind. Dan Lanning, you are a bonehead. Go f- yourself. Are you are you seeing a connection between Staley and Lanning there, Stuck? I don't know if I see that. Yeah, no. I li- I like Lanning's approach. Didn't work out. I mean, it's it was down to the very last. You had one play to get three yards, and you would have won the game. And he went 0-2 on the other fourth downs, where they probably would have won the game if they got any of them. I, I still I think, say. I think he would take. I think he would take those odds. I still say everybody's mathematics is broken because what Dan Lanning did is he handicapped the other side of the ball and New Penix could score in one play. I mean that you have to throw that number in there when you're looking at And he had an and he had an approach and the Washington defense couldn't stop Oregon all day. He had an approach and he was consistent. He said, We're gonna be aggressive. We're gonna go for it on fourth downs. We are going to win this game with our offense and that's yet a theme and he stuck with it. That's what you want from a head coach. Yep. I don't mind anything Lanning did. All right, let me tell you this, Dougie. I failed you again. I did not mix in a water again. But after that Texas game, I can't believe when I turn on your podcast and you're telling me to take Pitt. Pitt, who sucks. And then I go and watch the game, and Christian Velix, or the his name is, who the knows, but he's out here slinging it. Pitt was the move. You're a king. You've redeemed yourself for that Texas that's I don't it. know what Texas game he's talking about, uh, but um, yeah, uh, Pitt was Pitt was loot, but whatever. Uh, it was a slight. I, I went yeah, like I said, I went five and five sides, one and one totals, zero and one in my round robin. So it was a slightly down Saturday for me. Shit, got to do better on the next week. Uh, it's time for us to find some winners. I will tell you that for next week. I can't wait to break down Penn State and Ohio State, which is the biggest game of the week, mainly because it's just going to be a puzzle breaking down Penn State on like, all right, what do we believe in? What have they showed? Because they haven't played anybody. The same is with Michigan. All right, Michigan looked great again. Um, But Michigan now has played East Carolina, who can't win a game. UNLV, who's actually beat. That's like their best win. Bowling Green. Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, and Indiana. And now they're going to play Michigan State and then Purdue at home, then at Penn State. We're not going to learn anything about Michigan, really, until 
November 11th, 11-11. We'll win. We'll learn a lot more about both Ohio State and Penn State. The Ohio State defense was very impressive to me again against Purdue. But I'm looking forward to breaking that one down and digging into that early in the week. Uh, what is it? Was there a look ahead line for that already? For Penn State. Penn State, Ohio State? Yeah, it's out five and a half right now One in New Jersey. Ohio, Penn State's a five and a half point favorite? Yeah. No, I Penn can't. State is a five and a half point underdog. I, I, that, that's what I'm at. That's, it's at Ohio State. Uh, I mean, Penn State, I, I, the uh, under is probably going to get whacked. But I would yeah. I would try to get, if you're listening, um, I would look at that under. I bet it's just going to keep coming down. I don't know if there's weather or not. But both of those, I, Ohio State, Penn State has no explosiveness. Still not a believer in this Ohio State offense that has injuries. And I... I've been, I'm a believer in both defenses. Well, you know the total uh, is going to drop when it says 30% precip, 13-mile-an-hour wind scheduled for next Saturday in Columbus. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to breaking that one down. Every card from here on out is going to be pretty exciting. Um, that's the highlight for next weekend. We will also see how Oklahoma deals with success against UCF. We have Washington State, who looked horrendous against Arizona. Credit Arizona. What a, what a win. They, they dominated, too. We have Tennessee at Alabama. Is that next week, Tennessee at Alabama? Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to bet Kentucky at home against Tennessee the week after that. That Tennessee team's going to be gassed. Um, and Duke at Florida State. Very interesting game in the, in the ACC. Utah at USC. Not as interesting as it usually is, but should be a good game among others. Uh, but that'll do it for me. Callers of the Week, make sure you reach out to me and or my producer, uh, Collins will be back later today with uh, some look-ahead lines that I'll fill you in on. We'll be back on Thursday night for our in-depth Week 8 college football betting preview. The group of five guys, their episode will be out Wednesday. The new BCS will be out Tuesday. We'll do that live, 10.30 a.m. Eastern. It'll also be on the podcast channel. Uh, but let me just turn it over now to Collins. Thanks, Ducky. Okay, everybody, let's look at some lines real quick for week eight on the openers here on Sunday afternoon. One of the first ones that I hit is one of the first games of the week. Middle Tennessee going up against Liberty. It's a game that I project minus 17. Uh, There's a lot of advantages here for Liberty. They're top 25 quality finishing drives. Uh, Quality drive is just, you know, how often you have a 50 yard drive or it ends in a score. Um, you know, 10 plus plays, everything that you need to get down the field and finishing drives, of course, is how much you score in position past the 40 yard line, major advantages for Liberty here in this game, middle Tennessee on defense is outside the top 100 in both of those. So it's a game that I power rated 17. I expect it to end, uh, 17, 17 half. So got in early on 13 and a half. We'll see how much that moves. Next one, New Mexico state. I, I didn't really plan on betting on New Mexico State on the road. Uh, and, and plus, with a number where I make it, New Mexico State minus two. I took this at minus one. Uh, I'm expecting the number to move to about a field goal, maybe three and a half, and, and, and on the road. That's really impressive. But it talks a lot about UTEP. Plus, Gavin Hardison, I believe, is uh, concussion protocol, or he's hurt, and he is not slated to play this game. That could change. But I didn't see a big drop off with Cade McConnell. When you look at his numbers, his A dot is still 14 yards. So um, they can, st- and that's the whole UTEP's game is just explosive pass. They they have no success rate. They can't push the ball down the field with um, by moving the chains and, and collecting a, a ton of first downs. So 
Um, we're looking to avoid those explosive passes by Cade McConnell if he is the starter or Gavin Hardison from UTEP. I do expect there to be some of those. But New Mexico State, from front to back, is going to be able to move the ball and score. They have big advantages on the ground here. So I may buy this back a little bit live, but I do like New Mexico State. Minus one, I would take it up probably minus two and a half. Next, Memphis. Yeah, this game, um, Memphis and UAB is, is going to be a barn burner from a points perspective. UAB, though, has severe struggles on defense. Uh, their coverage, their quality drives. The one thing that really caught my eye is that they have the worst special teams in all of FBS. So I guess Trent Dilfer is focusing on uh, how to score a bunch of points, not really playing a lot of defense and playing zero special teams. I think one thing else that bothers me about UAB is that they're 122nd and havoc allowed. And, you know, what that means is, is your offense is sloppy with the ball. They throw a lot of INTs. Uh, they allow a lot of tackles for loss and sacks. And Memphis is, I believe, top 25 they may be 12th uh in defensive havoc so that's it's kind of a, a good formula here for memphis to get some real cheap field position some cheap scores here and uh, uab's defense is not going to be able to contain them i would take it up to memphis minus six arkansas who pig suey i'm on my guys um they're desperate massively desperate in this game and I project this game at 11 arkansas minus 11 they need a get healthy game and this is it they're coming home to razorback stadium Pitchforks are out for Sam Pittman. Um, there's just not been a good five games. But with Raheem Sanders missing the game, Arkansas had to go to the air against Alabama. And even though Arkansas was pretty much whipped in the box score against Alabama, they did put together two consecutive drives that were completely through the air to get them to score. That's what I expect here. I expect Arkansas to be really good in the air, which is going to be a hard thing for Mississippi State to defend. But more importantly, when Arkansas gets past the 40-yard line, they're 21st in offensive finishing drives. That goes up against Mississippi State, who's 131st in defensive finishing drives. You, you guys remember from the live show on Saturdays, I stopped betting Mississippi State like four weeks ago because they can't stop anybody that gets into scoring position. And Arkansas is top 20 in pass explosives. So whether it's methodical and they get within the 40 or whether it's explosives where Mississippi State can't defend that either, I like Arkansas to do everything they can to appease the fan base. Pittman get a little bit of breathing room, get to that bye week, and uh, maybe you know just focus on trying to get to a bowl game if they can. By the way, Arkansas, number one strength of schedule. It's It's been rough. All right, so another one I looked at was ULM plus 17.5. I know everybody's happy to tune in and listen to some Sunbelt action with the bottom of the barrel here. But ULM, I've learned, is you know a real heavy rush team. Uh, they just want to run the ball. They do it about 60% of the time. They only pass when they have to, which is like third and 15, third and 20. It's the only time they'll ever try to pass. But they have a heavy rush offense. So what you want to look for is defenses that really can't kind of contain that. So Georgia Southern is okay in, in some defensive rush metrics like line yards and rushing success rate, but broken tackles allowed. They are dead last in FBS. If they, you know, ULM is is going to be able to bust a lot of tackles in this game, that's going to turn into free yards, hopefully some free points. I project this game at 12. I don't know why it's this high. I think it's this high just because it's Georgia Southern. It's just ULM by brand name alone. And yeah, Georgia Southern's going to be pissed about how things pulled out with James Madison. And yeah, they do have advantages throwing the ball, but ULM is going to be able to control the clock here and run. Okay, Penn State, the last one here. I took Penn State plus five. I, I didn't see, you know, there's just there's really not a huge number advantage here. I do make it three, but I've been heavy on Penn State all year. Um, I do know there's other power rating systems out there that have this at about five and a half. So I expect this kind of to float in a dead number. 
Uh, I would suspect to see Ohio State sharp money come in three and a half, four. I'd expect to see Penn State gobbled up at five and a half, six. I don't think there's going to be a six. If there is, I'm going to hit it. Um, there's also a ton of futures in play here uh, that we have on Penn State. So I have one unit in the app. I have one bet on it today on PSU plus five. If I see a six, I might lay another. If I see a seven, I'll lay a lot more, but I doubt it's going to go that way. And I mean, obviously the big question here is when is Drew Aller going to throw down the field? I think he has seven attempts downfield, or at least he did before yesterday's games. Um, you know, in comparison, Sean Clifford had 66 passes over 20 yards last year. So I think this is a thing where Mike Yurisich has completely taken all of that off the table. I'm not sure that we've seen half of the playbook that Penn State has with Drew Aller. And it is a little bit shocking that um, Allen and Singleton have not had any rush explosives. I mean, I can't really answer as to why that's not happening. There's been no rush explosive. There's been no pass explosives. But when you turn around the other side of the ball, I just don't have faith in Ohio State, especially running the ball. They have no success rate. They have no explosiveness in running the ball. I think Mayan Williams may be dealing with injury heading into this game. And when you look at Ohio State, when it comes from a passing perspective, you know, if Emeka Egbuka is there, and, of course, they still have Marvin Harrison Jr., but Penn State's number one in defensive pass EPA. They're great against explosives. They're number one in on-target allowed rate. Now, what that means is there's catchable throw rate and there's on-target rate. On-target means that ball is thrown and it's dead center in the numbers. Catchable means the wide receiver had to do little to go out of his run to, to catch the ball. Maybe it's at his head, maybe it's at his knees, but it's a catchable throw. doesn't matter what I'm talking about here. Penn State is number one an on-target allowed rate, and catchable throw rate allowed. They don't let anybody get the ball anywhere close to hands. This is a crazy set of corners. This is the greatest secondary in all of college football. I'm going to rest on that. That should be enough to get that plus five home. So I am going to bet Penn State a little bit this week. Not sure I'm going to buy back on Ohio State. It's tough. I know Penn State's strength schedule is pretty weak, but that's the way that we're going to go. Outside of that, uh, good luck with your opening bets. Weather, I know weather is moving totals on Sunday nights and Mondays, uh, so keep your eyes open. Looks like there's going to be a lot of heavy rain up in the Pacific Northwest, of course, around uh, the coasts of Oregon and Washington, but more specifically, Penn State, Ohio State. There's going to be a ton of rain in the state of Pennsylvania, uh, West Virginia, and then all up to the coast in Virginia, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina. So keep your eyes open for Precip wind. I don't think any of the wind so far that I've seen is over 15 miles an hour. But when it comes to a wet ball, please keep your eyes on havoc allowed and havoc created because that does matter on a wet field. Not so much with the wind and the kicking game and the passing game. All right. Good luck on week eight bets. Stuggy and I will be back at the end of the week. All right. Thanks, Colin. That'll do it for us. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. Thanks to our producers on the back end. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, leave a review. Tell a friend, tell an enemy. You know the drill. Five-star reviews really help us out. We always do giveaways. Uh, even if you already left one, use someone else's phone. But we appreciate everyone tuning in. It's time for us to go do some work, find some winners, and prep for the Week 8 College Football Preview. We will see you all later in the week. Cheers. Peace out. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.